the gospel of our salvation. Ephesians 1 verse 13 H. F. Witherby 2nd edition, A. Wholeness Preface It has been thought advisable to carefully revise this book before issuing a new edition. If our reader should be led by the perusal of these pages to a more prayerful and careful searching of the Holy Scriptures, one great object of the writer will be realized. Our every thought about God, or about ourselves in relation to Him, should be brought to the test of the written word, we each one must stand before God, and the character of our everlasting future will depend upon our present obedience to the truth. We cannot too strenuously urge upon our reader to search the scriptures, and yet, while so doing, to look to God for the guidance of His Spirit, so that both heart and conscience may be searched through and through by the Word. An attempt has been made in these pages to indicate some of the different stages by which God leads His people to a more distinct knowledge of Himself. Many can recall the time when the great hope of their souls was to know the forgiveness of sins, and before God had made good to them His way of delivering His people from thraldom to self, their anguish, during the struggle after peace with God, and that strife within, which almost threatened to end in despair. It may be, also, that the knowledge of forgiveness, peace, and deliverance, having been given by God, the heart turns with joy to the memories of those hours when God first unfolded to the soul the fact of the glory of the risen Christ, spread before faith's eye the bright and heavenly things which are the Christians in Christ, and filled the affections with the invigorating yet patience-giving hope of the Lord's coming again. Chapter 1 Forgiveness Our first need, as sinners, is forgiveness, and there is forgiveness with God, of which His word thus speaks, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Romans 4 verses 7-8 This blessedness is a present possession, we have the forgiveness of sins in Christ, Ephesians 1 verse 7, and the portion is that of the simplest, as well as that of the most advanced believer, for we read, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you. 1 John 2 verse 12 Forgiveness is the act of God towards the sinner. We must not mix in our minds our tears, prayers, repentance, or any inward work with God's act of forgiveness. Suppose a man, having no means whatever, owes twenty pounds. His creditor pities him and forgives him the debt. The forgiveness is not a long process worked within the mind of the debtor, but the act of the creditor, I forgive you, he says, and the forgiveness is accomplished. The debt no doubt made the debtor feel miserable, but when the creditor forgave the twenty pounds, the debt was gone, every farthing of it, not because of what the debtor felt, but because of what the creditor did. Forgiveness is an act of pure grace upon the part of God. We are entirely without resources, we are sold under sin, and we have no strength to do any single good thing whereby we can merit favor from God. On the contrary, every day and hour of our lives we add to the debt of sin. Yet whatever the debt of our sins may be, there is with God abounding grace to forgive it. Our Lord tells us of two debtors, the one owed five hundred pence, and the other fifty, and when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both, at the same time showing us that the sinner, who has the greatest sense of sin, has the greatest sense of the grace which forgives sin. Forgiveness being the act of God, and his own pure grace to sinners, we inquire. What is the hindrance to the sinner receiving the knowledge of forgiveness of sins? Pride of heart, which refuses to believe his real state, his utter sinfulness and helplessness, is the great hindrance. Pride sends man to the treadmill of his own doings, 
and there Satan drives the helpless worker to despair, as the taskmasters lashed the Israelites of old, crying to them, when they could not make bricks without straw, ye be idle. Ye be idle. Brickmaking did not bring the Israelites out of the house of bondage, neither will works bring a sinner out of his sins. Grace brought Israel into liberty, and grace frees the soul. Seeking to obtain forgiveness by our doings is spiritual slavery. God will not be in debt to any man. Listen to what he says, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Romans 4 verses 4-5 Works and grace cannot be mixed. One drop of the poison of man's works let fall into a vessel full of God's grace, deprives grace of its character. God will not allow that man shall spoil his gracious act of forgiveness by any mixture of works, for if by grace, then is it no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. Romans 11 verse 6 The ground upon which God forgives sin. Self must be set aside and God brought in, if we would know his forgiveness. God consulted himself and glorified his throne. God magnified his own character of righteousness regarding sin by the death of Christ. The blood which Jesus shed is of sufficient value to discharge the debt of every sinner, and God in grace forgives sins upon the ground of what the Lord has done. The blood of Jesus is available for all, and God's grace is like an exhaustless deposit placed at the bank, so that all, who are poor and needy, may obtain the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Ephesians 1 verse 7 God's righteousness has been magnified about the very sins which burden the sinner's conscience, so that he declares at this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him who believeth in Jesus. Romans 3 verse 26 The following homely illustration of debt being forgiven was used of God to give the subject of the story assurance as to the forgiveness of her sins. May our reader have equally simple faith. At a village shop the old woman, into whose debt her customers ran, would carefully mark upon the back of her shop door how much each one owed her. There, in white chalk, as well as upon her memory, was written the name of each purchaser with the exact amount owing beneath it. Name and debt were riveted together in the old woman's mind, and could be only separated by due and full payment of all that was owing. Amongst the old woman's customers was one, whose conscience sorely troubled her on account of the debt of her sins, and who dreaded the opening of the books when small and great shall stand before the great white throne, and be judged according to their works. Our friend knew that her sins could never be erased from God's book by her own doings, and that unless they were blotted out she must be everlastingly lost. Why do you mourn thus over your sins, said one to her, why do you not believe what God says respecting those who really desire forgiveness? Has he not told such that the debt is paid? You never trouble about the chalk marks upon the shop door after the money is put down. Can you not likewise rest in what the blood of Christ has done in paying the debt of sin and satisfying the demand of divine righteousness? I will go to the shop and see what she has against your name, and will pay the due, she will then rub out the chalk marks so that when you next go there, she will tell you that not a mark stands against your name, and you will thankfully believe her. Yet in this work you will have no part, save the satisfaction that flows from believing your debt is paid. And thus, dear friend, it is with the terrible debt of your sins over which you mourn, and for which you own you have nothing to pay. Justice is satisfied, for the blood of God's Son has been shed for the sins of His people, and not one sin is left against their names. 
Jesus has paid the price of them all in his own blood. Indeed, justice has, as it were, by that precious blood, wiped out all the debt of their sins, and we, who believe God, can and do rejoice in freedom from the debt of sin, and more, it is God's own joy to tell us that our names are no longer connected with our sins, but that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. God graciously owned the illustration from her everyday life, and our friend believed, and henceforth rejoiced in God. The sins of God's people are not only forgiven, they are also forgotten. An earthly sovereign once said when granting a pardon, I forgive, but I cannot forget. If God acted thus, we could never be happy in his presence, but he says, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews 8 verse 12. Thus we can dwell in liberty in his presence, and rejoice in his grace. The sins which God forgives, are all sins. Some seem to think that a line is drawn at conversion, and that all sins up to that day are blotted out, but they are not at rest when thinking of what sin they may possibly yet commit. I am safe up to this moment, said one to us. But what of tomorrow, we inquired. Ah, of that I cannot tell, was the reply. Self, not God, was his confidence. God does not say he forgives past, present, or future sins, but sins. Through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things. Acts 13 verses 38 to 39. The two alls in this verse take in every believer, and everything, all who believe are justified from all things. Whether it be strong faith or weak faith is not the question, but, do we believe? And, if we do believe, the question is not great sins or small sins, but all sins, nay God, in His grace, has spoken of things, not gross sins merely, but every kind of thing which we have done, or shall do, so that our consciences may be at rest, and our hearts rejoice before Him. The perfect work of Christ embraces all sins. Could it do less? It is terrible unbelief to weigh out our sins against Christ's blood in the scales of our imagination. In the balances of the sanctuary we find that our sins, however heavy, are nothing at all in view of the preciousness of Christ's blood. The grievous hindrance to our rejoicing in God's forgiveness is unbelief in what Christ has done, and in God's grace which forgives all sins. God knew every one of our sins when he laid on him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53 verse 6, and Jesus endured the weight of them all when his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. 1 Peter 2 verse 24. Where then are your sins, believer? They are not upon you, for God laid them upon Jesus, they are not upon Jesus, for he has borne them and is in glory, where then are your sins? They are gone. Rest in the work of Christ, believe and rejoice. Your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake, you have the forgiveness of sins through Christ, you are one of God's blessed people. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Further still, the fact of the Holy Spirit indwelling God's children, and the knowledge of the Father's love, may be amongst the holy things which the reader has been given by God to rejoice in, and to prize. Our souls grow as we know more of God, and these pages are once more issued with the earnest desire that God, by His Spirit, may use them to help seekers after the truth, to a clearer knowledge of the Christian's privileges, and to a more earnest searching into the exhaustless treasury of His Word.